Good morning, everyone, brothers, sisters, and friends, and visitors. It's good to be here at the uh, Clinton Ecclesia, and uh, I brought an exhortation specifically for the brothers and sisters of the Clinton Ecclesia, but uh, I don't think God wanted me to do this today, so I'm going to do something else. So, if you will, let's all turn to Genesis. We're uh, people of the book, and uh, we like to not only hear, but uh, see what we're referring to. And we believe that God created the earth, man, the animals, and everything that's on this earth. And he has a plan and purpose. We believe that it was uh, put into operation, this plan and purpose, almost 6,000 years ago. Uh, let's turn to... Genesis chapter 2. Verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living person. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's turn over uh, to verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not even eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw 
that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to, unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled, or led me astray, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Her seed being a, a, group, of, a group of people which we will refer to later, but which includes... God's Son, Jesus Christ. It shall bruise thy head, a killing blow, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Uh, as we know, Jesus Christ was crucified, died and was placed in the grave, but he did not remain there. Verse 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception." In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Uh, the Lord God showed mercy here, and Adam and Eve know they know it, because it says that they shall bring forth children. Seventeen. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hath eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. 
Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the, you remember the other tree that was mentioned in the garden? The tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Verse 24. Remember the title to my words this morning? So he drove out the man out of the garden and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to do what? To destroy that tree? No. To keep the way of the tree of life. Brothers, sisters, and friends, that way has been kept all the way down to our day. It's still the way of the tree of life still exists and it's offered to each one of us. The way of the tree of life. Now, Adam and Eve were uh, put out of the garden. They had children and their children had children. And as we talked earlier in our Sunday school class, what happened? Wickedness increased. But there was a few that followed God or Yahweh as we refer to him. They followed Yahweh. They kept the way of the tree of life. Noah was one of these individuals and his family. The other people got so wicked that God took these men off the face of the earth. But he, out of, because he's merciful and long-suffering, and his eyes go to and the fro over the earth, observing the righteous, he saved Noah and his family. And the way of the tree of life was preserved through them, his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And we go down through time. Uh, everything starts all over again. We go down through time. Man gets wicked again. And as I said, Yahweh's eyes are off. They're going all over the world, earth looking for those that will love and obey Him. And Yahweh detected an individual, Abraham. Verse 12, Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And he promised this individual that if he would do as he asked, that he would bless him. Now the Lord God had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee 
and curse him that curses thee. Important phrase in this verse. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Abraham heeded the word of Yahweh. Turn over to chapter 15. <clears throat> said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give, give thee this land to inherit it. In verse 18, in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great, ri great river, the river Euphrates. And skip over to verse. He gives all this land to Abraham and his seed. Chapter 17, verse 1. <clears throat> and when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou faithful. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. And there he says it again. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful. And I will make nations of thee. This is important. And kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee. And thy seed, you remember that seed in, uh, back in uh, chapter 3? The seed of the woman. Thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, Abraham died. He's in the grave. He had two sons. One was Isaac, and then the other was another. Isaac was an important individual. Yahweh made the same covenant with him. And what about Isaac's son? Jacob. What I'm showing you is how Yahweh is preserving the way of the tree of life. And he does it through people. He calls people. And they heed that call. 
Jacob heeded that call. And this is extremely important. What was Jacob's name changed to? Israel. This is where the Jews come from. What was Jesus Christ? He was a Jew. What about Saul and David and Solomon? These were all Jews. And they received a kingdom. But they weren't faithful. And Yahweh took that kingdom away from Saul, David, Solomon, and their descendants because of all their sins. And I will overturn, overturn, overturn until he comes whose right it is. And who is the he that is to come? It's Jesus Christ. It's all connected. Let's turn over to Acts. And we read in our Sunday school, we read in our Sunday school where the apostles asked Jesus, Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of what? The kingdom of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And he said it to them. We read this in our Sunday school class. I'm not going to go any further with that. But there, we talk a lot about covenants. If you're around the Christadelphian, you're going to hear about a covenant. A covenant that Yahweh has made with individuals. And he made it to the seed of the woman back in the beginning. He made it to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and also to David. He made a covenant with King David. And what's wonderful is by means of the waters of baptism, after we have learned this truth or this gospel, we become connected to those covenants. They are in effect, and we become connected to those covenants by the blood of Jesus Christ because for these covenants to be in effect, there must be the shedding of blood. Okay, now let's turn to chapter 2 in Acts. I think, excuse me, it's, it's not chapter 2. Okay. Okay, there's an important verse. It's it's chapter 2, verse 22. Lost my place there for a minute. Now, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the apostles, 
Where are they? Think about it. King David, King Saul, Solomon, where are they? They are in the grave. There's only one that sits at the right hand of Yahweh, and that's Jesus Christ. He was resurrected from the grave, and he sits at the right hand of Yahweh, our high priest and mediator. Okay, Acts 2.22 And this is Peter speaking, and he says, Ye men of Israel, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. These people were eyewitnesses. We hear about it. They were eyewitnesses. They saw these things happen. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And here's the important verse 25. For David speaketh concerning him. And that's in 2 uh, 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 Samuel, I think it's 2 Samuel 7. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Okay. David has been dead for all these years, yet he says there, Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. And what is my talk about? To keep or preserve the way of the tree of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance the countenance of Jesus Christ. When David is resurrection, Resurrected, and he sees the Lord Jesus. Just think how he's going to feel. <clears throat> Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seen this before. That's David. He seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are 
all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath set forth this which ye now see and hear. Verse 34. For David is not ascended into the heavens. Where's David? He's in the grave. But he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, that's Yahweh, said unto Jesus Christ, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. And this is a promise. This verse 35, it goes all the way back to Genesis where the promise is made to Abraham that his enemy, that he, his, he will make thy foes thy footstool. And uh, this, this, uh, this promise, this covenant will come through when the Lord returns. Verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. Look at verse 39. This is extremely important. It comes down to you and me. All the way down, all these years, almost, it's almost 2,000 years. These words come down to you and me. Verse 39, for the promise is unto you, he's talking to the Jews here, and to your children. Now look at that next phrase. And to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. <clears throat> Look at that verse. Burn it into your mind. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And as I said earlier, this is how he is preserving the way of the tree of life. It goes back 6,000 years. Yahweh has a 7,000 year plan. The 6,000 years is almost up. The Lord Jesus is about to return. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now that was in the day of Peter. In those days, 
Those days of Peter are similar as we learned in our Sunday school class to the days that you and I are living in right now. They're similar. Now, for the members of this ecclesia, my talk today was on drift. To go along aimlessly a tumbleweed blown by the wind. Anywhere the wind blows. Tumbling tumbleweed. Think about it. A car whose driver has fallen asleep or is texting could result in a wreck, couldn't it? Drift to not pay attention. How often do we drift? I mean, we can drift off into Neverland sitting right here. I did it last Sunday. I apologize for that. <laughs> Just drifted right off. <laughs> drift to not pay attention. Now, why should you always pay attention? You may be the only brother or sister this is just one reason. There's many, many reasons. But why should you pay attention when you're here at meeting, Sunday school, while I'm up here talking? Because I might say something that's an error. And you might be the only one that catches it. And you can straighten me out and keep that error from going into these other minds. We don't need to drift. Now, i got a few minutes left here. In ancient days, when the captain wanted to get his ship into harbor, a small boat would go first, carrying the anchor. The right place having been reached, the anchor was dropped overboard. Attached to the anchor was a cable. The other end was secured to the ship. Using this figure, the one who has gone before is the Lord Jesus. He has secured the anchor, and it is by means of the work he has done that we can be drawn into the harbor. Let's turn to 1 Timothy, the first chapter. 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19. And this is Paul, and he charges young Timothy here to do something. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, uh, Timothy had a very good reputation. That's what it's saying here. That, uh, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away, put away, concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Now, we don't want to have a car wreck, and we don't want to be involved in a, a shipwreck. The first thing we will consider is the anchor. In connection, in connection with this, let's read Hebrews 6, 
13 through 19. Well, isn't this interesting? We're going to read about the promise made to Abraham. Look at this, verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. Just think of all the Jews since Abraham. And they're, they're going back to their land now. They're going back to Israel. And it uh, won't be long. There'll be a whole bunch more going back to Israel. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon important the hope lay hold upon the hope set before us which hope we have as an anchor both sure and steadfast and which entereth into that within the veil okay the anchor is the hope that we have if we did not have this hope we should drift about through life aimlessly carried hither and thither by every change in the chaotic life of today. This hope that we have can only come true in and through Jesus Christ. Peter said that Christ had the words of eternal life. If we hold fast to our hope, there shouldn't be any drift on our part. No drifting, but rather a security which can be found nowhere else. Such an excellent anchor is of no use to us unless we are securely attached to it. And that attachment is achieved by that invisible cable, the fellowship we have with the Father and the Son which is reinforced by the fellowship we have with our brethren and sisters. The complete fellowship is strengthened week by week as we meet together and partake of bread and wine in a unity which binds us all together. A steel cable has many strands. It's not just one thick strand. It's many small strands bound together. The same principle applies to this fellowship which is supposed to be ours. The ship in which we're sailing, is it not the truth? A ship which has its crew, its engines, its life bloats, and its life belts. 
It is a ship which is built to face the storms of life which arise. A ship designed to maintain an even keel and which if we do our part faithfully will finally bring us safely unto the harbor the future kingdom of God. If we don't study this word here we're not going to be in the ship. We've got, we got to study that word. Meanwhile, until that time comes, until the kingdom is established, the Lord Jesus is the captain of our ship. And with Christ in the ship, we ought to smile at all the storms. And are not the seas and waves roaring? We must remember that with a word, Jesus stopped the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Galilee. The waves there sometimes reach a height of 30 feet. If he did that, he can bring peace and calm to the troubled sea of nations. His presence is the only answer to the complex and humanly insolvable problems of today. The currents and the contrary winds. Think about the ocean. Think about the currents. And think about the contrary winds. These are many and various. Life today can be complex. Much wants more. <laughs> Much wants more. Why should we not have what the Joneses have? Increase leisure time. Do we put it to good use? The temptation of today, the temptations of today are more subtle and uh, often more vicious than back in the 50s. Pursuit of pleasure is in the forefront. Old standards of morality have gone away the pursuit of more and more money, the desire for more of the material things of this world, to have things nice, to love the easy life, to have a good time, to have plenty of money, to be looked up to by all our neighbors. These are the contrary winds that can cause us to drift of course, drift must be stopped. Steps must be taken now and not tomorrow. If you're drifting, you got to stop it. you got to take positive action. If the reading of the Word has been discontinued, it must be started again. Indifferent attendance at meetings not paying attention, must be jerked up at once into meaningful attendance. And what about prayer? Has that been dis discontinued also? Let us remember whose we are and whom we serve. Don't let go of that cable which is attached to the anchor. Don't let the drift start. If it has started in the 
smallest degree, stop it at once. If on careful examination, the drift is worse than was thought, call on every possible help so that this former position can be regained and then see to it that there is no repetition. Just about finished. Ephesians 5, Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 8. For we were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. What for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. That's neat. Whatsoever doth make manifest. It's shown to us by the light. The light shows us what's wrong. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk carefully, carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise. Important verse here. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Brothers, sisters, and friends, that takes study. That takes study. You can't you can't drift and have understanding can't do it. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting yourselves, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. We are not doing this when we drift or we don't pay attention. Chapter 6, verse 13. Well, let's start up at 10. Finally, my beloved, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and have, having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your Lord loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18. Look at that, verse 18. Let's pay attention to this verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Not only for ourselves, but for everybody else. Is, ver is verse 18 a kept command? Look at it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. How can we pray collect correctly? How can we watch correctly if we're not paying attention? Brother Larry? 